welcome to the Junction Church Aberdeen podcast. We're so glad you chose to listen to this life-changing message. We have um, our uh, This Is Me series, which um, this is our um, fourth message in the series. And we're going to read from Matthew 16, verse 13. And the This Is Me series is the discussion about who we are in relationship to who the church is. Everybody wants to know, who, who am I? Where, how do I define myself? How do I understand who I am? And if I know who I am, then I can make better decisions for my life. But you know who you are when you know who the church is. When you know who the church is, you know how you fit within the church. And it says here in Matthew 16, verse 13, And Jesus came to the region... Of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, "What? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am?" So they said, "Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets." He said to them, "But who do you say that I am?" Simon Peter answered and said, "You are the Christ, Son of the Living God." Jesus answered and said to him, "Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven." And also I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gate of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus kind of sets his disciples right up at this moment, because Jesus knew who he was. Uh, And he wasn't particularly concerned about what other people said about him. But he wanted to know what the disciples were listening to. He wanted to know what they were thinking and what revelation they had of and for themselves. That was really, really important. And, And Jesus, so Jesus is asking the disciples what and who they are. When they, when he saw that they knew and understood who he was, he was able to release unto them the revelation that upon this rock, upon this truth, that he is the Christ, the church of the living God will be built and established and the keys of the kingdom of heaven shall be given to them, able to loose and set free, to bind up, to take hold of strongholds and to build the kingdom of God. And so the entire church, the church of Jesus Christ, is about the revelation of who he is. And I spoke a message last year about the critical point about religions and, and organizations and sectors around the world that have sought to do many good things, many religious things, many noble things, but if they have not honored who Jesus Christ is, they've failed in their core function. And so because Jesus, he is the Son of God, He is our Savior. And so Jesus here, He is revealing who He is. And we have within this, tonight's message is called the church. uh, This is the crowd, this is me. And the crowd is something which is often spoken of in negative terms. People say, I'm not part of a crowd, I'm an individual. I'm, I'm special, Jesus loves me. If I was the only sinner in all the world, Jesus would have come and died for me. Probably not, but people say it anyway. Oh, that's called to me. <laughs> what, yeah, what, you were the only sinner. Actually, I think that's a physical impossibility, um, that, that such a thing could happen. But it's one of those things which people say that think in the Bible, but it isn't. Are you with me here? Yeah. I feel like I'm upsetting you all. <laughs> I don't care. Okay. <laughs> 
So, Jesus does love you. He created you. You are uniquely special to Him. But Jesus loves the crowd, and the church is a crowd. We have to understand that crowds are a critical part and function of the life of church. And if you understand the power of the crowd, you'll understand who you are as part of the crowd. So a lot of people say, I don't want to be part of a crowd. A crowd is this sort of faceless, nameless sort of surge group of people. I'm special. I'm an individual. Well, I want you to know that it's not all about you. It is about the people next to you. And it's about the people next to them. And it's about the people that are so far away from who you are, where you are right now that you can't even see them. But we're all part of a crowd. And you know, the church is all about numbers. It's all about big numbers. It's all about recording how the church is birthed. And in fact, in the book of Acts, if you go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, we read about the day of Pentecost on the day that Peter... And the disciples, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the crowd turn up to hear a message. And this is what happened. It says in verse 40, And with many other words he testified and exhorted, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon their soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided among them all as anyone had Need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What part of a crowd don't you see there? The church was birthed as a crowd. About 3,000 came to the Lord on that day. There were 120 people in a prayer meeting and the 120 became 3,120 (laughs) or thereabouts on day one. The church's birth, we read later on that as the Holy Spirit moves upon them, then once again um, another 5,000 are added to the church again. What was that? That was a crowd. God came to the crowd, touched the crowd, and the crowd began to do something that an individual or a group of individuals couldn't possibly do. There is something unique about the power of a crowd and being in the crowd, being part of the crowd. We understand what it means to be in church and who we are as individuals making that crowd incredible. And so we have to understand that, that when God comes and touches us. He wants us to be a part of the crowd. Now, we under, I understand that, that, in fact, I was looking on um, Google and about the whole sort of, if you do type church and crowd, you, you won't find anything positive. It, it's always this sort of negative connotations all the way through. Every listing just comes through negative church and crowd. It's not a crowd. You're, you're special. And, uh, and, well, you know what? We all know you're special. You don't need to hear how special you are all the time. Otherwise, people just become addicted to, to just tell me how good I am. Well, you are, but perhaps you're not that good. 
Maybe it's time to, to wake up and understand that, that you, there are different fact, uh, parts of who you are, but understand that in the crowd, the crowd is what makes you incredible. Yeah. And, and, but on your own, we have to understand that we are not just, it's not just you and Jesus. And so the, the crowd, and there are negative connotations to a crowd. Um, there is um, all sorts of sort of ideas that, that in a crowd you, you lose your identity and, and you, you become this sort of, you just move with a crowd without any thought. But that's not a crowd, that's a herd. All right? The negative from a crowd is a herd. A herd just reacts. Have you ever seen a, a herd of cows in the field? And uh, when I was kids, we used to, um, we used to go up into the, uh, in the countryside and uh, we would just walk through um, the, the, the field of cows. And cows are strange creatures, aren't they? Because they just can't get over the fact that, um, that you're in the field. And so they want to come up and have a look at you, but they are frightened of you. So they all come up and they crowd around. So they look intimidating, but if you go towards them, they run away. And, um, but we used to go through the crowd. We used to have an Afghan. I mean, if you notice what an Afghan is, Afghan dog. They are, they, from behind, they look like a blonde woman with long hair. And it's only when they turn round you realise it's not a woman. It's a very long black nose. If you see an Afghan sitting in a car seat, I remember, actually, this actually happened. We were driving from Hailsham into Eastbourne on the, on the A22. It's the, it's the London to Eastbourne Road. We were driving in, and there's a car in front of us, and there's a fella driving this car, and next to him is a woman with long blonde hair. And all of a sudden, the, the woman turned around, and it was a dog. It was a... And uh, Afghans are sort of slightly, uh, they're bigger than greyhounds, but they're kind of built the same, but they have this long flowing hair. They're very elegant, um, bred for deer hunting. And, and uh, we, we had an Afghan, and she, would, she was mad, she would run away, and she would run up into the fields, and she would chase the cows. And uh, she, would, she would herd the cows literally into a corner. And I always used to chuckle to myself, because a cow is a lot bigger than an Afghan. And, and you know... They're built like greyhounds, so they're kind of like they're fast, but I, you know, they would snap if you run them over, right? And here you've got this two-ton cow and this silly dog, and the herd run because one of them ran, so they all ran. Because they don't have individual thought. They're just responding to the environment that's around them. A lot of Christians live in a herd mentality. They just do what other people are doing because that's what they do. That's not the crowd, that's the herd. They're living in a herd mindset. In the world, in the secular world, we have a lot of people that are... The stock market is a classic herd mentality where you get people buying stocks and shares... Um, because everybody else is buying stocks and shares, and they will, they will throw away um, sort of that, the, the, the mindset, the understanding of rationale that you invest into companies that are producing uh, a valuable product and rather just chase what appears to be the money. The dot-com boom, I think, when was that? The 90s, everyone was investing into companies that never made any money. And they're throwing literally billions into companies, and they, everyone followed the herd. They just kept, and suddenly, every, some one day, one person woke up and went, "There's nothing. There's nothing there. We're investing money into into nothing." And the whole thing collapsed. The 1930s, 
the um, Great Depression, that was exactly the same thing. There are many instances through society when people see when you behave like a herd, the whole thing comes crashing down because nobody is using their brain. But in the church, the church is not a herd, it is a crowd. There's something unique about the crowd. You've got to understand that you are the face that is in the crowd. And that face has the call and gift of God upon their lives to contribute to an incredible harmony that moves, like a symphony that moves through an orchestra, the sound that moves together that causes the church to do something incredible. You are a crowd. And if you understand that you are a crowd, then you understand that God has got something important for your life. It says here in Genesis 28 verse 3 it says and Jacob is Isaac sorry is speaking to Jacob and you've got Abraham Isaac and Jacob this is the beginning of the promise of God for his children to raise up um, and you have to remember that that God spoke to Abraham that he would make his descendants um, like the sa- uh, sea uh, like the sand on the seashore the stars in the sky and then so he gets the promise and he has, he has a son. He actually has two sons, but only one that counts. And so he has a son. And then, and then so he has Isaac. And then Isaac has two sons, but one that counts. And, and so the, the reproduction system is not going well. All right? It's not going well. You've got, got to the third generation and there still aren't a lot of them. All right? In our family, my mum and dad, my mum and dad had um, six kids, and now there's, oh, I can't remember how many there are, I'm just the next generation. By the time we married off and had children, there's like 20 grandchildren, um, and now there's a number of grand, great-grandchildren, so there wasn't anything like that going on. They, they didn't know how to reproduce. Our family does. We breed like rabbits, right? <laughs> So, Isaac is speaking. I'm just trying to make a point here. Perhaps I should have used a better example. When Isaac says to Jacob, he's blessing him. This is the point of Jacob's blessing. When um, Jacob is, is nicking his, the blessing that belonged to Esau at this point. And Jacob says to him, May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be an assembly of peoples. The core promise that rested on the children of Israel was to be a crowd. The core promise was that the he, this family, this tiny family, blessed but small, would, ha- would multiply and become an incredible assembly. An amazing crowd that has great power and influence upon the earth. That's what God is speaking over his church and we have to understand that the church is an incredible growing crowd. Do you know that in 1900, Korea had no Protestant churches? Today, there are over 7,000 in Seoul uh, alone. At the end of the 19th century, the southern portion of Africa was 3% Christian. Today, it is 63% of the population. While membership of the Churches in Africa is increasing by 34,000 people per day. 
In India, 14 million of the 140 million members of the untouchable caste have become Christian. More people in the Islamic world have come to Christ in the last 25 years than in the entire history of the Christian mission. In Islamic Indonesia, the percentage of Christians is now so high, around 15%, that the Muslim government will no longer print statistics. In China, it's estimated there are now more self-avowed disciples of Jesus than members of the Communist Party. Even the most conservative estimates suggest that China will soon have more Christians than any other country in the world. Across the planet, followers of Jesus are increasing by more than 80,000 per day. There are 510 new churches every day. Isn't that incredible? That is our God. Let me tell you something. That is one massive crowd. That is a crowd of people that we're a part of. We're not just an individual. We are an individual that's in a crowd. We are part of the crowd. We're, you know, and we have to understand that there is collective wisdom that comes from individual revelation. You see, Jesus asks Peter in verse 17, it says, Blessed are you, Simon, by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You see, Peter heard from God. Not from man, from God. He got a revelation from God and discovered who Jesus was, who Jesus is. It was a revelation and he spoke it out. And that is the most important part of being part of a crowd. That every person in the crowd is not moved by the herd, but they are moved by the Father. They're moved by what they hear not by the herd that is stamping their feet. They don't just run because people are running. They respond because God is speaking according to the revelation that drops into their heart. And we have to understand that there is incredible revelation. But I I want you to understand this, that when God sort of designed us, he and He spoke to us, I've discovered this. When God speaks to me, he, He tells me revelation but not quite enough. And you know this, you, you, you get something to work on, but not enough to finish the picture. Every time. Anytime anyone tells me that God spoke to them, they give me this long, long story of how much He's spoken to them, and they tell me all these things that, they, that God spoke to them. And I'm looking at them thinking, well, He never talks to me like that. <laughs> I'm not sure he talks to you either because I've spoken to a lot of people around the world and some incredible leaders and he doesn't talk to any of them like he talks to you. Are you sure that was God? (laughs) Hello? When God speaks to us, he gives us revelation. But it's only in the crowd that we hear the whole picture. Because revelation comes to the church. There's a protection in that system. It stops one person from rising up and lead the people astray. Because within the church is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is within the body of Jesus Christ. It's why what the Bible says when a prophetic word has been spoken, let the people consider the word. Let them, how do they consider? They hear from God. They weigh it according to Scripture. In other words, according to the collective, there is more wisdom than the power of the intellect of the individual. Yeah. 
And so, do you know, actually, statistical, they, they've, scientists did a study of uh, a country fair, and it started with a man who went to a, he went to a country fair, and uh, they saw a cow, guess the weight of the cow, right? So there's a, there's a big cow, guess the weight of the cow, and, and uh, so um, you're waiting for me to be naughty, aren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so here's, here's, the, here's a cow, and they guess the weight of the cow, and so they... People come along and they country fair, a lot of farmers, a lot of country people, they, they all know how much a cow weighs. Now, I w- wouldn't actually have a clue. I'm, I'm guessing like a, a ton or... Depends how big the cow is, right? It might, be, it might be a big cow. might be a little one. I don't know. So anyway, people are like putting the weight down. Everyone's guessing. What scientists discovered that if you took... And this has repetitively been proven. If you took everybody's guess added them together and averaged it out, that's the weight of the cow. The collective wisdom of the crowd is always greater than the individual knowledge of the person. Now, what that is talking about is talking about the fact that God has created us to move together, to not have our own thoughts and plans which are disconnected to that which Christ is speaking to the whole body. That we are in relationship with each other. You see, God created the body in all these incredible individual parts. We talk about the different parts of our body. We talk about ear. You might have earache. I've got earache. Um, But actually... You've got earache, but it's in your but it's in your head, right? Isn't it? You don't say I've got headache. You you describe the ear, but your whole body feels it, right? Um, you know, you you've got different. Your your body is incredible, but the power of the body as one is far more powerful than the individual, the sum of the individual parts. The church is far more powerful as a crowd than the sum of the individual parts added together. See, the enemy always wants to separate the crowd. But the crowd together has far greater influence. And God wants you to know that He has called you to stand together. He's called us to be a body that understands who we are as a crowd, as a church. Have you noticed when God speaks, He speaks to us in such a way that we have to share what He has spoken so as to get affirmation and so as to build that bigger picture and so as to bring the word along further. I notice over the years, as we as a church have prayed, I bring forth vision and prayer. In a prayer meeting, we've often people just bring words, and the words get spoken together, and there's affirmation of the word, and so began, begins to build a picture that is far more clearer than the individual. You know that it, within your body, within your own body, there are muscle groups, the different parts of your body doesn't even need the see the brain doesn't tell your heart to beat. The heart beats because that's what the heart does. 
Now, if you took away the brain, the heart would stop beating, right? But the heart understands that it has to beat. Muscles have memory. The brain doesn't tell the muscles to remember something. The muscles just remember it. Are you with me here? Now understand, within the body of Christ, that when you're part of the crowd, there is the ability to hear and understand what God has spoken. Now, Jesus Christ is the head. He is not disconnected. If you disconnect the head, the body dies, right? But the crowd is not stupid without the body... Without the head. The crowd is intelligent with the head. The crowd is the body. Right? And the body has its own intelligence with the head who leads us. Does that do you understand this? See, we have to understand that, that Christ hasn't made you stupid. Some people oh, I only do what God tells me to do. How much does he tell you? What what, what do you do? Do you wait for him to tell you to get up in the morning? Oh, I didn't get up. God didn't tell me. <laughs> yeah, that would be... That can be the new mantra, couldn't it? Saturday, God never tells me to get up on Saturdays. What do you, there are things... God doesn't tell... There's a lot of things he doesn't tell me what to do. But I know what to do because his word has been spoken. It has been remembered within my heart. And I have the capacity to be able to think and understand for myself. That the informational flow, I want to connect to Jesus Christ. And I want to hear what Jesus Christ is saying. But I don't have to hear from Jesus to know what to do. Because I have my own brain and my own understanding and my own relationship with God and connection. And the church is a crowd that is, and the crowd is important because the, the health of a crowd, that what determines the difference between a crowd and a herd is the crowd has to have an individual relationship with God and an intellect and a capacity to think for themselves. When a crowd stops thinking for themselves, they become a herd and start just following what other people are doing without their brain connecting and asking why. But God came for you to have a relationship with Him and for you to understand and for you to think and for you to look around and ask the questions. You see... God wants you to know that He came here to set you free that you might have a family, as I spoke this morning, that you might have a family that stands with you, for you, over you, around you, carrying you through at every time of season in your life. Let me finish with this in 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. Elijah. Elijah feels like he's the only one left. He, he's the, um, he's a, a very powerful prophet who has just slaughtered the prophets of Baal. And, but he's, <laughs> he's, he's a very powerful man, but he's intimidated by Jezebel. And Jezebel has sent word that he, she's going to kill him like he killed the other man and so Elijah being intimidated by this is having a moan to God 
In 1 Kings 19.10 it says this, So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. So, God speaks to Elijah and he begins to reveal to him that he isn't alone. You see, at time of pressure, you no longer understand the crowd. You just feel like an individual. Like I said before, when you've got earache, your whole body feels like it's an ear. Doesn't it? Your whole body feels like it's an ear. You, you, you think about nothing else. Toothache. Those are the, these are the kind of aches that hurt beyond any other kind of pain. And you get an infection... I remember having an infection from a, a, a dry, uh, yeah, I'd had a wisdom tooth pulled out and then it got infected. And antibiotics don't work, touching, painkillers don't work. And I thought my head was literally going to explode. I'm wandering around A&E, down south, wandering around, just holding my face. I just didn't know what to do with myself. It's like my whole body had become this cesspit of a hole that was in my face <laughs> it, was a, it was like the rest of my body didn't exist when you go through trial when you go through hardship it's like nothing and nobody else exists anymore because you, you, you're not aware of them and this is what Elijah's going through and in verse 18 God responds and he says I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So God has reserved for himself 7,000. And Elijah was so caught up, he didn't even know they existed. God has reserved people to form a crowd around you, to carry you through the hardest times and walk you through the greatest storms. You might feel like you're alone, but you are not alone. You may feel like you're isolated, but you are not isolated. For God has reserved for you a family. It's called a crowd. It's an enormous force of people. Why is it a crowd? Because a crowd can change things. Crowds cause revolutions. Crowds cause stuff to turn and change. Crowds have a voice that is larger than anything else. Crowds can change. Uh, nations can turn over political um, powers that, that have come out against them. There isn't anything that a crowd cannot do. We have seen on the face of the earth powerful nations tumble at the force of a continual crowd and God has reserved a crowd around you that will carry you through. Who are you? You're a member of a crowd. That crowd is there for you, to cover you, to protect you, to pray for you, to speak wisdom over you, to bring the collective wisdom that is in the house of God, to hear the voice of the Lord and to listen to what God is saying over the church. God has created the church. The church was birthed as a crowd and we are a part of it. Amen? For more information about the church, visit us online at www.thejunctionchurch.com. 
or come along and see for yourself in one of our services.